All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. I am Josh Bells, one of your co-hosts, one of the pastors at the Well Church. With me today is Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring and Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. And do you guys want the whole name? You can do that Cloverdale word. United Reformed Church, Dayspring <laughs> United Reformed Church. It's, it's such fine. a mouthful. My, yeah. my tongue gets yeah. tired with all the... <laughs> And then uh, guest host today, Ryan oh. Hemphill from um, Treasure Valley. Yep, Treasure Valley <laughs> Reformed Presbyterian Church. <laughs> yeah. I know you just got that short version. I know. You know, the, okay. well. the well I, church. Yeah. Yeah. The well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, <laughs> um, so our producer asked some really great questions off the air, like, why are you guys talking about covenant theology and we gave him some quick answers right like this is the storyline of the whole bible covenant theology this right. is the uh, explanation of all of history covenant theology well let me explain it like um you know ligon duncan would explain it he says uh, in some covenant theology is the bible's way of explaining and deepening our understanding of at least five things how to read the bible both old and new testaments as a unified coherent consistent account of one plan of God, the one trying God to communicate to his people by means of covenant uh, so they can glorify and enjoy him forever. Secondly, uh, it deepens our understanding of communion with God, how by God's loving condescension and covenant initiative, we've been drawn into that relationship of love with him. Third, it uh, it helps deepen our understanding of the person and work of Christ, why he's come. He's the covenant mediator. He's the only, only redeemer. Uh, that we have. Um, fourth, how we know that we truly belong to God and can be assured of salvation. Because of this unbreakable covenant oath and promise of God to us, we can be assured of those things. And fifth, what are these covenant signs, the sacraments, the ordinances, you know, baptism and Lord's Supper? Um, uh, what are they and how they work in confirming this gracious covenant that we have with God? Mm -hmm. And maybe it would be helpful just for our listens, listeners to know that at least three of us in the studio, I don't know Ryan's backstory, so I can't say whether mm -hmm. it's four, but I know it's three, did not grow up believing yeah. and holding to covenant theology. Right. Mm -hmm. That all of us came to it later in life. Ryan, I'm not sure about you. I, um, I was born into it. Okay. So, okay. Yep. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, by God's grace, I was born yeah. into it. Yeah. So that... Some of you are listening and going, I've never heard of this. This sounds strange. I don't know about this. This makes me put up walls. Well, just rest assured, there are three of us in the studio that yeah. we're in that same exact place for a while in our own faith journey where we did not understand this or know this. I'd never even heard of it until I was probably 20. Mm -hmm. Well, begins to put a, it, you know, by coming to it later, we have certain definitions. Some of us were actually raised in a manner consistent with what you would call covenant theology in, in terms of growing up and being discipled by, you know, in an understanding that, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for mm -hmm. the Bible tells me so. I mean, there's a certain um, understanding that came with that. We weren't necessarily evangelized into uh, a relationship with Christ. We actually were discipled into that. And that's all part of an understanding of covenant theology as well. Yeah. Right. So if someone, you know, uh, Perhaps you're in a particular faith tradition where this word is never used. But the truth is, is that actually, if you do, it's a quick word search for the word covenant in Scripture, you'll find that it's used at 
over 300 times in, in the ESV anyway. I, yeah. I'm sure maybe it's more in the, in yeah. the King James. But mm. so yeah. in the Bible, there are covenants between the persons of God. There are covenants between God and man. There's covenants between God and nations. There's covenants between man and man, covenants between nation and nation, covenants between God and nature. Uh, so this this is the fabric of, of Scripture. It's the fabric of history. So quickly again, how would you define a covenant if someone is just tuning in for the first time? A covenant is an agreement between God and human beings where God promises blessings if the conditions are kept and threatens curses if they're broken. Covenant is the word God uses to describe his relationship with his people. So on a human level, so in that list you talk man to man, nation to nation, man to nation, whatever it might be, then those are relationships where there are stipulations, obligations for both parties and based upon those obligations and whether those obligations are kept or not kept, there are rewards or um, punishments. Mm -hmm. So I buy a house. I sign a, a the a, HOA. Oh. Uh, I wasn't thinking that. Okay. I, 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 I signed my loan agreement. I won't say where that covenant comes from. <laughs> we all know. We all know. <laughs> if I sign that loan document and I don't make my payments, well, there's a penalty to that. I'm going to mm -hmm. forfeit my home because the arrangement that the bank made with me is they will give me money to purchase the home in return that for me paying back that loan with interest. Yeah. If I don't fulfill my side of the bargain, yeah. my side of that relationship, there's a consequence. Yep. And so on a human level, that's going to be true. But Jonathan gave us a definition that applies to the relationship or the covenant between God and man. Yep. So hunters, the reason why you can't shoot magpies is because America has a covenant with Mexico that uh, I think it's their state bird yeah. or something. So, or one of yeah. them. State or, bird? I don't anyway. know. Whatever. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, protect, it's a protected bird. <laughs> protected bird. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing. Um, Regardless of whether you've heard this phrase, covenant or not, everybody has to have glue that, that sticks the scripture together. We, we've talked a lot about this before, that Jesus Christ ultimately is the glue that sticks all of scripture together. He said that in Luke 24 when he rose from the dead, that the, the law, the Psalms, the <coughs> prophets, they all speak of me. Um, so everybody has a, a, a unity that brings together all the diverse parts of Scripture. Most, I, I think most people in America today probably subscribe to some form of, of what's called dispensationalism, um, which is not covenant theology. But what dispensationalism tries to do is it tries to, to connect Scripture together in a meaningful way. That's all covenant theology is doing. It's, it's saying, hey, this is the real storyline of, of what Scripture is. So maybe it'd be helpful if we contrast dispensationalism with covenant theology. Yeah, I, mean, I think a very oversimplification is that it, it sees almost you know, two covenants made with two groups of people um, as far as God having two Speaking of dispensationalism. Yes. Yep. So whereas – you know, a dispensationalist would say would be the, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, God still had, I mean, his, the Old Testament is kind of God dealing with the nation of Israel. And then there's a different covenant uh, that God has made with the church, his people. So 
You know, whereas in covenant theology, what we see is there aren't two distinct covenants between the Israel of Old Testament, nation of Israel, and God's church. It's one cohesive covenant of grace with slightly different ways it's what we would say is administered, like the the outward trappings of it. Mm -hmm. We're talking about one people of God, and this is one of the things that uh, covenant uh, theology does. It it allows the message of the salvation that God gives us to grow naturally through a story that he tells uh, throughout Old and New Testament. In fact, it's... You know, you can take out one page of your Bible, and that's that blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's one story, one united story, and covenant theology sees that unity all the way through. Um, So uh, J.I. Packer would say, the gospel of God is not properly understood until it's viewed in a covenantal frame. Mm -hmm. He would say, the word of God is not properly understood until it's viewed in a covenantal frame. He would say, the reality of God is not properly understood until it viewed in a covenantal frame. And so what happens with dispensationalism, dispensationalism in its classical form introduced uh, seven dispensations that, you know, where there's this constant uh, disjuncture from God's word. So God's always changing what he desires from his people. At this time, he's going to ask them for this, and then they won't fulfill that. So he's going to try something different. He's going to ask something different of them so they will do something that's pleasing to him at a different stage. And so God's promises are continually changing from one dispensation to another. And so you have earthly promises at one time, uh, you know, that are connected only to earthly things. And so the, you know, so God has different people in different dispensations, two different books for two different dispensations. And so um, for a lot of people, it makes a lot of God's word irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. the, it, you know, so like, I mean, I, I went to a dispensational uh, college or seminary and, you know, basically, you know, I was told that the Old Testament was somebody else's mail. Yeah. I I find myself enjoying preaching uh, the unity of God's word Amen. and and preaching from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Amen. This I mean maybe this oversimplification and I I mean it. God isn't a polygamist. I mean he's he's got one bride, and if we divide, you know God's people, we basically make it where God has two brides. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of the Bible is God's dealing with humanity with one covenant. He's preparing for himself and purifying for himself one people. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we look forward to the day when, you know, Israelites and Gentiles alike will come together and worship God in glory. It's, if you step back and, and hopefully if you're just honest with, with what the scripture is saying, you would see the New Testament is deliberately reaching back into the old and, yeah. to tell the story. Um, the book of Galatians, especially, is is doing this as far as who are you? Are you you're a child? You're you're a byproduct of the child of promise. Um, going back to Isaac and you, saying that's where you come from. You you don't come from um, Ishmael. You you come from Isaac. Yeah. And then ends by saying, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon you and upon. The Israel of God. The Israel of God? Wait, this makes no sense, really, as a statement, if you put this clear demarcation between the Old Testament and New Testament. What, yeah. Why are we talking about the Israel of God in a book that that is written really deliberately to say that this, 
there isn't Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. All those that come by faith to Jesus Christ are the children of Abraham. Paul would be completely mm-hmm. contradicting everything he said in the book of, of, of Galatians. Yes. With that last statement, if he was reintroducing a, a delineation between the Jews and, and the Gentiles. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, we are the the New Testament calls us everybody who's in Christ is the true circumcision. Everyone who is in Christ is a true son or daughter of Abraham. And and um contrary uh in Romans 9 Paul points out that well the reason why there were some Jews who didn't believe in Christ is because not all Israel is Israel. Israel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I think a healthy way to talk about this is the church didn't begin in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. The church began in the old, yeah. and we see um, that in the Old Testament, God gives us pictures of this. That it's not just this nation. I mean, we have, you know, the story of Judah and Tamar. You know, Tamar was not you know the household. Then we have Rahab coming in. Then we have Ruth. I mean, you know, then we have Bathsheba. I mean, there's this influx of people who are outside of the Israelites, but yet are counted among the people of God. I mean, if you begin to really break this down and you say the great promises of the Old Testament are given to Abraham and to David, and who's David? Yeah. He's a Moabite. Yeah. At least in part. Yeah. I mean, a quarter Moabite. (laughs) Yes. So his genealogy is not purebred. Right. So, I mean, you, you just struggle with some of this if you don't understand how the church is so much broader than one nation. Yeah, yeah. and that's God's plan all along. Yeah. It was never meant to be just this one little spot. It's the whole world. He, he chose to work through Abraham and his All the nations of the world would be all blessed. All the nations would be blessed. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Don't forget about our upcoming Reformation Boise Conference, October 21st and 22nd. If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can register for free. Uh, This has been the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.